Good evening, Tucson Mountain Baptist Church. Very glad that each of you are here. Let's bow for a brief prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for each one that is, uh, is here tonight to glorify you and to uh, learn of you. Lord, we ask you to bless um, the worship. Lord, we ask you to bless uh, Pastor Jasper as he uh, brings forth the word. And uh, Lord, help us to uh, also be very cognizant of our prayer time and bring out the, the prayers and praises that you want us to bring out. In Jesus' name, amen. The family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Again. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Pastor Jasper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday night service. And I praise and thank God for this privilege to stand before you. And I'm so thankful that Pastor Lynn is here. If you have any questions, just feel free to ask him. <laughs> okay, tonight allow me to read uh, two verses from the passage that talks about Jesus walking the water. And I believe we are all familiar, familiar with that. Matthew chapter 14, I'll be reading uh, verse 24 down to verse 25. It says here, and I want you to follow, follow it with your eyes. It says here, by this time, the boat was already far away from the land. It was being hit by the waves because the wind was blowing against it. In the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Shall we pray? Father, it's our joy to be here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to experience your grace, your love, your power. And thank you, Lord, for the presence of each one of us here as a family. And we ask, Lord, that you will continue to give us wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit that we will be able to see the truth from your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to help us to be Conform in the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe it is your desire for us. This is the reason why you save us, for us to live a life in accordance to your will. Lord, it's only by your grace that we commit these things to your name, Christ's precious name. Amen. And tonight I'll be sharing to you the power of his presence. This passage talks about Jesus walking the water. 
As Christians, the most important thing to remember or to keep in mind as we face the uncertainty of life is that without God, we are nothing. The story of Jesus walking the water will reminds us about the power of his presence. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans 8.37, it says there, In all those things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And Apostle Paul encouraged the Philippian believers in Philippians 4.13. It says there, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That Christ's presence makes all the difference in the world. But before we jump into that passage that I read, uh, verse 22 down to 31, let's look at the previous verses. There are several things that we need to look at before we jump to the story of Jesus walking the water. If we're going to read the previous verse, we could see there the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000, not including women and children. Maybe some of you would, would ask why Jesus dismissed the crowd and ordered the disciples to go to the other side. The purpose of miracle is for them to believe. Right after Jesus performed the miracle, he left the crowd. You know what? The purpose of miracle is for them to believe that he is the son of God. After the miracle, it would be a perfect time, right? To reinforce his teaching, his claim, and convince them that he is the Messiah. But instead, Jesus left the crowd and ordered the disciples to cross to the other side. There are several reasons. Number one, right after Christ had fed the crowd, they wished to take him by force and make him king. That's one of the reasons. If we're going to look at John 6, 15, it says there, Jesus knew that the people planned to come and take him by force to make him their king. And that is not the reason why Jesus came. Because Jesus came to die on the cross. That is the difference of, since we are studying the book of Revelation, that is the difference of the first coming and the second coming. The first coming, Jesus came to be a lamb, a sacrifice, to shed his blood on the cross to be our savior. And with the second coming, Jesus Christ will come again as a lamb, as a lion of Judah, not as a lamb. It means he will exercise his power and authority as a king. So that is the difference between the first and the second coming. Jesus came as a lamb, and second coming, Jesus will come as a lion of Judah. And right after that, Christ set them free, set them, left them alone. And second reason is that it was time for Christ to move on for others who need his ministry. And the third reason is Christ did time alone for prayer. We could see there after feeding the 5,000, Jesus left and went to the mountain and prayed. And the fourth reason, this is where we're going to focus tonight, Christ wanted the disciples to begin learning one of the most important lessons of their lives, and that is his presence would always be with them, not necessarily his physical presence but his spiritual presence. 
Tonight, I'll be sharing to you five important lessons about the power of his presence. Number one, it says there, verse number 22 and 23, Christ's presence is assured by prayer. It says there, immediately Jesus told his follower to get into the boat and go ahead of him across the lake. In verse 23, it says there, after he had sent them away, and he went by himself up to the hill or mountain to pray. Christ sent a disciple across the lake and dismissed the crowd. Then he got alone to pray. You know what? So much had happened that day. Jesus was drained and exhausted, and he needed time alone with the Father. Christ's presence is always there when we pray. The book of Jeremiah reminds us that Chapter 33, verse 3, it says there, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you the great and mighty things that you do not know. It reminds that, that Christ's presence is always there when we pray. He is available 24-7, every t- anytime and every, everywhere. So we can see there every time we pray, we are being conscious, you know, sensitive with the presence of God. According to Spurgeon, Spurgeon said, you know what, prayer is a slender nerve that moveth the muscles of the omnipotent God. Every time we pray. Jesus Christ, after a long day, he needs time alone with God because, number one, he was physically exhausted after a long day ministering to people. And he needed to be renewed and be strengthened again. Not only he was physically exhausted, but also he was mentally exhausted. His mind was so tired. He needed to recover a clear perspective of his mission. We could see there, if we're going to go back to the book of John, that the people are ready to crown him as king. And Satan used this, the crowd to deceive, to tempt Jesus, not to do the reason why he came, and that is to die on the cross. We could see that he needed to recover a clear perspective of his mission because he was mentally exhausted. Not only that, he was also spiritually drained. So much power had gone out of him that day, and he needed to be recharged with God's power and with the singleness of the heart to do the Father's will. And brother and sister in Christ, are you physically and mentally exhausted tonight? Spiritually drained? The Bible says spend time with God. We need to spend time with God. A lot of things wears us down. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever situation you have. Our only hope is to learn that Christ's presence, a consciousness of his presence, is assured by prayer. Jim Elliot said, God is still on his throne, we are still in his footstool, and there's only a nice distance between, and that is prayer. Right? Christ's presence is always there when we pray. Not only Christ's presence is assured by prayer, but also Christ's presence conquers fear. And this is the point seen in the storm that the disciples experience. You know what? Fear 
paralyzes faith and keeping us from living confidently as Christians. There's a, a young man received a football scholarship to a well-known college, but he felt as though he could not make the grades needed to stay in the program. Even before he stepped onto the college campus, he was ready to quit. His entire education had been paid for, but fear of failure prevented him from taking advantage of the opportunity. Fate paralyzes our, fear paralyzes our faith. And it says there, verse 24, the storm arose while they were crossing the lake. It says, by this time the boat, the boat was already far away from land. It was being hit by waves and because the wind was blowing against it. I want you to look at the word hit, or another version it means toast, or another version it means beaten. The word toast there, it means to toast about with great force. The boat was tossed about so ferociously that it was in pain and anguish. You know what? Sometimes that's the way we describe our life when we face the storm of life, right? We are in pain and anguish. But I want you to know this. The storm arose while the disciples were working. It says they're the boat already far away from land. The, dis the disciples were doing exactly what Christ had told them to do, but the storm still came. How true of life is that? Storms come upon the unbeliever and upon the unbelievers. It means whether you are saved or not, there's going to be a storm in life. We cannot avoid that. That's a reality because that is one of the consequences of sin. And also, and also, if we're going to look at this passage, yes, we cannot avoid it. But what happened next was a great comfort for the disciples. They cannot avoid the storm. But what happened next was a great comfort for them and also for us believers. It says there, verse 25, Jesus went to the disciples. I want, to, I want you to look at that. That in the storms of life, God is always be there for us. Yes, we cannot avoid the storms of life, but we're not going to face them alone. The Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it says there, verse 25, Jesus went to the disciples. And I want you to note how. It says there, verse 25, between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. He walked on the sea, however, he did not go to them immediately. And maybe some of you would ask why. Yes, Jesus came, but he did not walk, walk directly to them. He did not go to them immediately. The reason why, number one, because he needed to teach them to trust him and to obey his command, no matter what happened to them. They're doing what he had told them to do. God, Christ ordered them to cross the other side. And they were doing what, what he had told them to do. And, and because of that, they could trust his care, his power, his love, and his will. And the same thing with us. 
When the storm of life comes in your life, he is teaching you to trust him and obey his command no matter what happened. And we could trust his care, his love, and his power, and his will. Not only he need to teach them to trust him and to obey his command, but also he need to teach them to go out conquering the storms of life by using their own skill and strength. I was discussing this with Pastor Lynn just this uh, afternoon about they were uh, professional fishermen. I mean, facing the storm in the middle of the sea is not something, something new to them. But Jesus, he needed to teach them to go out conquering the storms of life by using their own skill and strength. They need to learn to use all the gifts, all the talents they had in struggling against the storms of life. And he would step in only after they had done all they could. Why? Once their own strength and skill had been exhausted, the praise for salvation would go to God and is delivering power and not to man, right? The storm of life reminds us that human as we are, we are limited. We are finite. And we need God to survive. We need God to survive. And it reminds, uh, it reminds me about <clears throat> my roommate when I was in my uh, senior year in the seminary. Uh, I told, I asked one of my roommates why, why, why you're not studying a week before your exam. And he, he told me that why, why study if you can pray? <laughs> and, and after the first time, and he told me I failed the subject, and I, I told him, pray more. <laughs> you know what? Um, it reminds me of the passage that faith without work is dead. You know what? That, that, that faith and action should go together, right? We need to do our part, and God will do his part, right? And the same thing with the disciples. He would step in only after they had done all they could. So number 26, verse 26, it says there, the disciples were stricken with fear. It says there, when his followers saw him walking on the water, they were afraid, and they said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. They were physically exhausted, having struggled against the storm for hours, and they were mentally drained from using all the skills to survive. Their lives were threatened, and they were struggling for survival. You know what? Being exhausted, frightened, shocked, fearing, struggling for their lives, the disciples were suffering an almost unbearable experience. The disciples let their fears dominate their hearts and situation. The storms of life could bring us fear or build up our faith. Don't let your fear destroy your faith. Let your faith destroy your fears. We cannot live our Christian life with both fear and faith in our hearts. We need to choose whether fear or faith. Verse 27, Jesus gave assurance of his presence. It says there, But Jesus quickly spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, do not afraid. You know what? 
Christ's sudden presence in the water was a great encouragement to the disciples, yet they were not quite sure it was him. His word and his presence in our lives is a marvelous revelation of his care, his love, his power to save us through the storm of life. I want you to remember we should not turn back when storms arise, no matter how terrible the trial. Christ is able to take the trials of life and make opportunities out of them. They give us experience in the life of faith. Romans 5.3, it says there, But we glory in tribulation also, knowing that the tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope make it not a shame. And it says there, Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts with the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We are helpless when caught in the greatest storm of life. Christ's presence alone can save us through the storms. And his presence alone can conquer our fears and give us hope and security. The storm can be a moment of sorrow, self-conflict, temptation, decision-making. But I want you to remember that Christ is ever so near and ready to help us to those who call out to him. His presence is most assuring, comforting, and strengthening to his people. And third, Christ's presence stirred the hope of being saved. When Peter heard Christ's voice, he was stirred. It says there, verse 28, Peter said, Lord, if it is really you, then command me to come to you on the water. If, if, if you are here tonight and if you want to walk with God, there are three things it requires. First, it demands a step of faith. You know what? The first step of Peter, when Peter walked on the water, that was a step of faith. And second, not only it demands faith, but also it demands obedience. After Jesus told Peter, come, and Peter obeyed that word, come. It requires obedience. But also, not only it demands faith, it demands obedience, but also it demands focus. We could see there later why. Jesus' command was come. Christ was not merely giving Peter a permission to come. He was commanding Peter. And because of Peter's obedience, he walked with Jesus on the water. Because of his obedience, he experienced the power of God. Peter walked on the water not because of his ability, but because of God. In the book of Matthew eleven twenty-eight, it says, There come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ commanding you and I to come and experience his power, and he will give us rest. He is not giving permission to us to come to him and give whatever that makes us heavy. But Jesus is calling us and commanding us to come to him. God wants us to experience his power. And we could see there Peter's faith faltered in verse 30. But when Peter saw the wind and the waves became afraid and began to sink, he shouted, Lord, save me. Walking with God demands focus. 
Peter saw Jesus, his hope of being saved. He knew Jesus carried the love and had the power to save him. He had his eyes upon Jesus, but we could see there when he took his eyes off upon Jesus and focused on the thorn that his faith began to weaken and began sinking. The moment we focused the storm of life, like Peter, he looked at the waves and the wind, and not to God, it weakens our faith and our life began to sink and fall apart. Not only a relationship with God, but also a relationship with other people. But the word of God says, Christ saved Peter despite of his weak faith. The Lord's presence is the answer to the storms of life, to all distressed spirit. First Peter 1.5, it says, We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Second Timothy 4.18, it says, The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever. Jesus saved Peter but rebuked his faltering faith. He saved a person with a little faith, but he rebukes it. Like Luke 7 and 6, it says, And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of the mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Not only Christ's presence assured by prayer, that Christ's presence is there every time we pray, Christ's presence conquered fear, Christ's presence steered the hope of being saved. Second to the last, Christ's presence conquers nature. He is the Messiah, the sovereign Lord over all. It says there, verse 32, after they got into the boat, the wind became calm. Even the nature obeyed him. He demonstrated his messiahship, adding proof upon proof to his disciples. And I believe in our, in our personal experience in life, God has been proven that he is faithful, he is loving, he is powerful, right? He would always be present to help them no, no matter the severity of trials. He could bring peace to any reeling and hopeless soul that will call upon him. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world give it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Last, Christ's presence steers confession and worship. The disciples experience great relief. Verse 33, it says there, And those who were in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. They had been saved and delivered from the life-threatening storm by the power of Christ. Never before had they witnessed such power. There was no alternative, no other action to be taken. They come and worship Jesus, saying, Thou art the Son of God. As believers, may the presence of Christ in our lives as our Lord and Savior compels us to serve him and worship him until he comes. The Bible reminds us that God comforts us in trouble. In fact, suffering and troubles are his methods of shaping our lives and our character. 
In the same cases, in some cases, God used the words of circumstances to accomplish the best result for our own good. As I close, the Bible reminds us that God is greater than our problems. Instead of telling God, God, I have a big problem. Instead, that's problem, I have a big God, right? He rules the universe, and he can overrule every storm of life for our own good. Romans 8.28 says, All things for together for good to those who, who love him or love God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to help us to remember, help us to be aware of your presence in our lives. We believe that life is not all about what we can do, but it's all about what you can do through us. And we bring back all the glory to you in Christ's precious mighty name. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, it is prayer time, praise time, and um, who, who would like to share um, prayer requests uh, or, and, and or praises? Yes, ma'am. Well, we're glad to be back. <laughs> we had a long, hard Illinois head cold. Both of us, and it was his fault. He got it before I did. But, I mean, we passed that thing around for lots of days, and it was just amazing. And we're grateful that the Lord healed us and got us back on track again. But, boy, it, was, it felt like we'd been away from church forever. And Jack said, we only missed one Sunday, and I think a Wednesday night. I'm like, I feel like I've been sick.